The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And joining us one last time this week is Pete Wright from The Next Reel and Marvel Movie Minute. One last time. I can't believe it's this week. It's flown by. Incredible. I mean, people, when they were listening to the first episode of this week, were just starting out that big project that was due at the end of the week, and now... They're almost finished with it. Look at it. Hats off to your productivity, people. Well done. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We, however, are still on the bridge. Yes, we are. Uh, We're in minute 87, and it starts with Maggie in disbelief, and it ends with Maggie pissed off. Uh, And before uh, we get, I know we teased yesterday we were going to get into Maggie's uh, uh, reaction and Adrian Barbeau's acting in this minute, but before we do... I do want to once again point out, much like with Snake, after Cabby died, and he took almost 10 seconds to sort of stand there and honor Cabby, the clock is ticking ever closer to zero, and he is waiting for Maggie to come with him. He's trying to convince her to come with him. He's not saying, come on, let's go. She just stands there, and he says, to hell with it, and takes off. He's actually giving her a chance to make up her mind he's he's waiting to see what she's going to do once again life literally hanging in the balance here and uh he's he's waiting for her yeah it's interesting yeah. too that we i'm sorry molly go ahead no 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 good no no go you on. go ahead I, it's interesting too that we do get a, a shot of him looking down at the watch though they don't cut to the watch and i i think that is uh, supremely telling. And it gets back to what we were talking about yesterday, this idea of Carpenter developing these sort of moments of trust in the audience to figure out the emotional structure of a scene. And as he looks at the watch, but we don't cut to, that would that would be too much of a hammer over the head for us to, to, to just like, oh, oh, now I know what he's thinking. When I don't really know what he's thinking, what I want him to be thinking is, we have just lost two people that were important to our journey across this bridge in some way, shape, or form. And I'm going to give her, a resident here, uh, a, just a chance, a second to to grieve. And and I, th- I really like that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I was reading that Kurt Russell had said that uh, Snake really only has feelings for Maggie as a character in this whole movie. He's the only one that She's the only one that he cares about. Mm-hmm. And so I really see that here that he's and, you know, as much as he's an anti-hero, like this is a very like, you know, as you're saying, Eric, I mean, this is like a really intensely kind thing to do, especially considering his life is literally on the line and that he's w- willing to even give these few seconds to her to be like, look, you know, I'm going to I understand that you've had a shock, but, you know, and he and he's pretty gentle about it. You know, like there's, you know, a couple of beats go by and he's like. You know, we need to keep moving. Maggie, you know, he's dead. You know, he's, you know, come on. Like, he's trying to really be, like, very, I mean, not curt, but very, like, short and simple. And, like, we have to go. But he's not freaking out, you know? Like, he is giving her that emotional space. 
in this moment. And and that's why I think this minute is like so incredibly well acted because there's just there's not a whole lot of dialogue, but everything is really on their faces here. Yeah, and it's interesting the decision she makes, you know, instead of going with Snake, she wants to stay to try to kill the Duke. And if she does it, I guess she would then probably turn around and try to head for the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, by not being with Snake and the president, there's a good chance she might be shot on sight. They yeah. think she's just someone trying to take advantage of the situation. So, you know, she, she's she's basically saying, um, I'm going to stay here and either I'm going to kill the Duke or he's going to kill me. And if I do kill him, you know, I'll, I'll maybe I'll just stay here in prison. You know, I mean, she's basically giving up the chance to get out to instead kill the person that, you know, she blames for Brain's death. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, yes. And I think Brain's death is ultimately an, an instigator. It's like it's the thing that caused the pot to boil over for her. Obviously, she has been like in, in in a place of struggle and strife for a very long time. And like this was this feels so much. I think she communicates for me so much that this is a last straw mm-hmm. and that she's able to communicate that not just to me, but also to Snake uh, and and that this this little twist uh between the two of them i think is is a really important demonstration of her character and and for me i bought it i think she is just exceptionally good at taking what is otherwise a a loony journey to this point in the movie for them and is able to to communicate a sense of of um uh, dare i coin a phrase sense and sensibility uh that is much more nuanced than uh, and, and sort of represents how in, in places this movie is punching deeply above its out of its class. Mm. Yeah, and I, you know, with with, with the the nonverbal acting she does here. So I, I'm going to see if if you you'll, you'll go along with this. I I feel like she almost, but not quite, nails down in a matter of about 20 seconds just with her face the five stages of grief here. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. first she's in denial. Her first reaction. When he dies, is she very numbly just says brain, almost like he might respond. So she's in denial that he's actually dead. Then the next expression she has on her face is, is absolutely anger, and she wants Snake's gun. So now she's into the second stage, anger. Now the third stage is bargaining, and this is the one that I couldn't really fit, because it, it's almost like what happens here is the exact opposite of bargaining. Because bargaining usually involves something like negotiating to get to extend your life, including like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll change my life if I can just live a little bit longer. She's actually rejecting the chance to make that life change by going with Snake and probably getting a pardon to instead try to, to stay, to try to kill the Duke and risking ending her life. Um, then we go to the fourth stage, depression. When she turns back around now, her face is clearly sad. And then the fifth stage, acceptance, you can see at the end her face is she is resolved now. She will she is going to kill the Duke. She accepts she has accepted Brain's death and she's going to do something to avenge it now. Mm-hmm. And she she does all of this with just her face in a span of about what, twenty seconds or so. Mm-hmm. If that, I think I would I would uh, pile on. I think that's I, I think that's right, and I think her performance like this is just Barbo at, at her her best in terms of nuanced just use of face at forty six to forty eight uh, seconds forty six to forty eight we get that 
her her eyes just sort of wag back and forth a little bit. You can tell she's looking down at the bridge. She's looking back at at Brain. And for me, that's the the most critical bit of of awareness. That's the bargaining step for me in just those two seconds where mm. she gets an opportunity to display. Uh, I I'm sad. I'm grieving, and I'm angry, and I've made a decision. And that's how I, you know a lot of places really. Uh, I, it's just a believable exchange of emotions to me. It's a it weirdly believable exchange of emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that moment where she doesn't actually ask Snake for the gun. She just opens up her hand towards him. And it's just a, a very pleading face. You know, she's she's wearing the inquiry on her face and she doesn't ask. And, and he gives that moment and he and he gives it over to her. You know, and he kind of smiles at her before he takes off. And so I think he he really does respect her. And I, you know, and again, you know, me talking even, you know, this week about this being a very lean movie. And, you know, you guys kind of brought up this point, too, just a minute ago that, you know, we really don't know what she's been through and how much additional regret or uh, anger she has towards the Duke completely separate from her experience with brain. And that and that's part of this. I really didn't entirely attribute to the fact that she holds him accountable for brain's death i think she holds him that but i think that there's there's other stuff here and that's why she chooses to stay and take him out and it's a um you know i guess from like a a wisdom perspective it'd be like you could just you know look for a new life on the other side here and like you know let this go and move on but i like the fact that she's like you know fuck you no i'm gonna hold my (laughs) hold my own here and i'm gonna take him out because i'm just that pissed you know, like this is the stand I'm going to make. And I, and I think there's a lot of respect that Snake has for her for being willing to do that, that that's what she mm-hmm. needs for herself. Yeah, I think so. And I think this is, you know, I don't, I don't want to pile on to how much I'm in love with Adrienne Barbeau. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you I will. She's Please great. Do. Please do. She's great. But you know what's just great about this is because I like I call this movie bananas in, in uh, other ways. But this is this is why. You you do your best to get great actors because even w- you can ask them to do all the craziness you want, but in these moments, this is when it counts, right? This is this is when the the performance allows you to elevate a bananas sci-fi movie that dates itself in only sixteen years, uh, and and yet it is still something that we're watching some forty years later, and and re- it resonates with us because of her 22nd performance here that demonstrates that she's a human being when everybody else is doing things that are kind of not quite human beings. Mm. And we know they're not there. We're having fun, but she's a human being right here, right here. And it is earned emotional respect. And I, I deeply value that sequence as crazy and as too small as the bridges. And as you know, we're talking <laughs> about the thing that breaks up. This is why this, this little exchange for her is why uh, you get her in this movie. Yeah, very much. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I, think... a, I did. I need a, a bigger soapbox. I'm sorry. No, no, that was incredible. <laughs> no, I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I, and that's why I think these minutes are, are so poignant is because yeah. we, out of the whole, 
I mean, you know, you have like really just kind of wacky, like the Broadway scene is such like an yeah. off the wall, you know, that's so like, where, how did we get here? Like this shit's so weird, you know? And, and I feel like we have these like very strange, you know, where we punch a hole into this reality and we get to look into it. And I think that, I mean, the bridge scene is, you know, some of my favorite, you know, next to the scenes with Romero, but like, these are some of my favorite as well, because you do for that reason that you're saying that you really get the humanity here because there's so much of it that's just been abandoned in this place and here in this moment where these people are just being squeezed like to just get out you know like the the purest sense of humanity of like i just want to be free from this shit you know and and get this this like amazing nuanced performance in just a few seconds and i mean that's I think number one, why we do these podcasts is that we can actually take a moment and really look at the depth of the artistry of this, you know, because it really isn't in such a a small amount of time, but there's so much complexity conveyed of emotion, you know, with Eric saying like, oh my God, I can see like, you know, the five steps of, of grieving right here in a minute, basically in less than a minute is kind of an incredible thing. And that's just a tribute to her acting. Right. Right, because you know that in the in the space and the, the number of people who think about this movie at this level of detail are like people who host Movies by Minute podcasts and Adrian Barbeau. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> otherwise this happens just so fast and it it and and it looks like a just a character transformation that you could write off. You could even I can see making a case of lampooning it because it's oh it's just not enough. It's too fast. Her transition is too is too fast, but when you slow it down and really reflect at it, you see that there's artistry here. There there is craft. These are people who work very hard to capture human experience in their face and the tiny muscles in their face and that's what they're doing here. And I I think that's a uh, uh, that's an exception skill. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we don't have a lot of bullshit music behind this too, that makes it melodramatic is also right. helpful, which I, you know, when you guys were <laughs> talking about the rock earlier, like that would be something that we might see now today where you have more of a Hobbs and Shaw where there, there are authentic moments, but because they've been layered with all this additional you know, I mean, that's a very hyper stylized example, but, you know, this has been stripped down to just basic humanity, you know, for a reason. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I think this movie's held up as well as it has is because right. it is so lean that we can, you know, maybe forgive some of the the more uh, aspects of that that date this. But because of these types of moments, they, they really do transcend over a long period of time that the, the basic tenets really hold up still. It makes me think of of two movies. One, uh, Joe versus the volcano, right? That mm. uh, when when you get this moment where everybody's been stepping on this little green frond of life that's been trying to peek its way up through the <laughs> the cracks in the cement, and then Joe has this moment of humanity where he stops and lifts it up. Uh, it, it, and it happens so quickly, but that that shot was was hard. It was a a hard shot emotionally. It was a hard shot to 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 notice to catch. Like there's craft in that, and I think that's a piece of humanity that it strikes me. And what we could have had like the Dwayne the Rock Johnson version of this movie um, would find a way to use Beastie Boys sabotage in this sequence somehow <laughs> like you know what I mean like that's that movie and that's not the movie that I would want to see here right right well, this um, once again this plays out a little bit different in the script than we got here and, and once again I like it better the way it ended up in the draft Maggie's actually thrown off balance by the mind. She's not hurt, but she is knocked down and then crawls over to Brain's body and holds him. 
Snake looks at his watch, sees it's down to 9 minutes, 49 seconds, just turns and runs. So there's none of this silent exchange uh, between the two of them. There's none of this Snake, you know, waiting to try to get her to come with him. And that hurts Snake's character to have him doing that. Um, And it also takes away from the moment here that Maggie has. In the shooting script, they, by then, John Carpenter added in the gun exchange um, but he also locked two minutes off and the watch is down to 749. And as you pointed out, Pete, we don't actually see what the watch says when the, when he actually filmed it. That is uh, such a win. That yeah. is such a win for this. Yeah. I'm so glad that that's, that's how it ended up. Yeah, much better. And uh, just want to call out uh, that the gun that he hands her, uh, it's good old, the old 38 special revolver snake had. And Molly, this is the one we talked about during the gunfight on the World Trade Center roof when we were wondering how many bullets could there possibly be left in the gun. Yes. Uh, and as we will not learn today, but we will learn in tomorrow's minute, apparently a pretty decent amount. <laughs> <laughs> There's so yeah. many bullets. Wow. What a chamber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a pretty full. Well, it's not a clip, I guess. It's um because it's a revolver. But yeah, the, it's it's fully chambered all of a sudden. <laughs> so that's magical. Yeah. Metaphysical bullets. Yeah, <laughs> it's delightful. It's just it keeps refilling. There must be in the handle every time the it revolves. It just refills it, just it, like magic. It's a it's a GI Joe gun. That's right. It's Dumbledore's gun. <laughs> So, Pete, if you've been uh, listening to the show, then you know that we've spoken with a lot of our guests about this debate on is this movie science fiction or not. Uh, would you like to offer your opinion on that? I I uh, don't think that it's uh, – I, I think I weigh in on the not science fiction, uh, but it is – it, it fits in its own sort of post-apocalyptic, uh, uh, you know, alternative future fantasy Um it it is so grounded in uh, it just sort of earthenness, right? It's it is much. I just don't get the the sense that it takes us to this new space of of um, you know what science fiction does for me, which takes me to new places using the the wisdom of technology in the future, or sometimes the 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 dearth and sadness that comes as a result of our our use of technology and this is this is much more of a of a uh you know it's a heist it's a rescue it's mm-hmm. um it's just much more grounded so i you know I, I i not all movies that take place in the future are science fiction right exactly so well i have a question for you and this is also something we've asked previous guests if you were the duke of new york what kind of a ride would you be pimping Oh, well, this is really hard because the Cadillac is right at the top. Now that I've seen it, it's hard to it's it's hard to let that go. But if I had to choose, it would be actually much more of a sort of uh, a tripped out rickshaw like and and. I want you to think, like, if, if I'm the Duke of New York, people are going to straight up carry me. But what they're going to also carry <laughs> is my, like, George Clinton P-Funk kind of decorative entourage that goes with me. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, I am straight up. I'm all in. Uh, there's probably going to be some Morris Day playing, too, at the time. I'm a huge <laughs> Prince fan. So everything about, like, that the the whole sort of Minneapolis genius, uh, I'm, I'm all in. That's going to be on my rickshaw. And so <laughs> people better get fit, is all I'm saying. Slag <laughs> is up there in the front. 
You want you want to oh so, well if Prince is playing so you want the Joker's parade from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Party people in the crib get hype. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. I can get behind you doing some party, man. <laughs> That's cool. That's right. This town <laughs> needs an enema. I don't know uh, what happens now. Did I win one? Are you going to like send me a, my own personal rickshaw? Prince rickshaw? A prince? Uh, well, I mean. I know what I'm dreaming about tonight. I feel like mm. it shouldn't it be like velvet or something. If there it's a will prince? be some crushed velvet. Yeah, it'll yeah. all be purple. Crushed velvet. Lots of feathers and um, uh, naturally some diamonds and pearls. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be shiny cool <laughs> gotta be shiny i have you know i would just i don't have any more specific notes about the minute um uh, the bridge is still too small we'll leave it at that but what i will say <laughs> is i am i am uh, i feel so lucky to have gotten these three minutes and and i hope i did in some part did them justice because these these are the the terrific sort of human minutes of of this movie that otherwise uh you know it's a terrible movie that I love to talk that that I get joy out of. But this, <laughs> these are sequences that elevate it beyond a, a, a terrible movie. This, uh, this is these are the central joy minutes. So I, I'm glad to have been here. Thank you guys. Well, good. I'm I'm glad that we could have you on at uh, a redeeming moment in in a movie that you're kind of meh about. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll talk about any movie. I love movies. <laughs> Pete, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's been a blast. Well, you guys are a delight. I'm so glad you're doing this show, and I'm deeply honored to be a part of it. Well, excellent. Uh, one last time, if you could let everybody know out there where they can find you out on the interwebs. I'd be at thenextreel.com. By now, you get it. We do uh, a lot of movie podcasting at thenextreel.com. You can catch us there, or uh, and also the Marvel Movie Minute. That's another uh, movie-by-minute show. That's the drill. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And you can follow us on Twitter at NYMinutePod. Also, we have a Facebook group, Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall.